informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, hello and thank you for joining us here once again today for AOA, Agriculture of America. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Coffee's on. We got a lot of great conversations to get to here on today's program. Coming up in just a minute, we're going to talk with the administrator of the Risk Management Agency at USDA. Marsha Bunger is with us, and uh, we'll be talking to her in just a second. Coming up in segment two, we are going to uh, talk about what's happening in the wheat markets, cotton, cattle. We're going to have a, a conversation with Donna Hughes from Stone X. That is coming up here in just a little while as well. After the bottom of the hour, we're going to take a look at where things stand on Capitol Hill now that our senators and congressmen and women are uh, headed home for the Christmas recess. What's the appropriations uh, fight look like? Where do things stand in terms of this government shutdown that could happen here just after the beginning of the year? Farm bill. We're going to talk about the whole milk bill as well. Jackie Fatka, associate editor from AgriPulse, will be joining us. And then we'll wrap up the show. We're going to learn more about the upcoming Arizona National Livestock Show with their executive director, Tyler Grandel. It's uh, the largest livestock show in the Southwest in its 76th year. We're going to learn more about that coming up here at the end of the program today. So again, thanks for joining us here on AOA. We got a lot to get to. Let's start with a conversation with the administrator of RMA, the Risk Management Agency. Marsha Bunger is with us. Marsha, it is great to talk with you again. How are you? I am well. Thank you. Um, it's exciting to be on and be able to share some, I think, some great opportunities. Yeah, and uh, the opportunity we're talking about today is something good for our uh, livestock producers. The Livestock Roadshow is, is what we're talking about uh, from USDA and, and RMA. Uh, first off, I, I hear the term Livestock Roadshow piques my interest. What exactly are we talking about here, Marcia? Can you give us a little background? You bet. Um, you know, livestock producers are very important to American agriculture. And RMA, the Risk Management Agency, is always improving and expanding the insurance options um, to better meet their needs. Um, in addition, you know, to just even improving and expanding, we sometimes also pilot a new opportunity, which I can highlight as well. But um, specifically today, I want to share with everyone listening that there is an RMA, Livestock Roadshow, and we will be highlighting the improvements to the policy based upon feedback from American livestock producers. Well, talk about some of these uh, things that are going to be highlighted here. I know they can learn more about uh, a lot of different things like LRP or annual forage, weaned calf risk protection, et cetera. Can you talk about some of the things that, that folks can learn by attending one of these uh, Livestock Roadshows? Definitely. You know, I think you hit on um, a couple of the major ones that they will be talking about. Um, but because of the improvements um, that we have made in the last year or two, I think it's important for livestock producers to either tune in to the virtual or, if possible, attend the one that's in person at a location nearest them. But to not only hear directly from RMA subject matter experts about what those improvements, what the changes look like, but also to continue to give feedback on what is working and um, what isn't working. So it's, it's a two-way conversation. So we'll be highlighting um, the topics that you mentioned. So LRP, livestock risk protection, LGM, livestock gross margin. We'll also be covering pasture, rangeland, and forage, the rainfall index policy. We'll talk about annual forage policies that are available. Um, so in addition, we do all also just recently announced the wean calf risk protection policy, which is a piloted type of policy that is in four states for this upcoming 2024 20, year. And um, that one is going to take a look at how, we, how producers that are cow-calf can possibly protect their weaning weight 
in addition to um, in the event that there is some death loss amongst those newborn calves, that is piloted right now in South Dakota, Nebraska, Colorado, and Texas. And mm -hmm. that deadline um, is January 31st. So I don't want that to go unnoted because we're probably just a little over a month away from that deadline. So don't wait until January 31st. If you're in those states and are interested, get a hold of a crop insurance agent and find out a little bit more as it would fit to your operation. Well, and I know uh, both the virtual and in-person in sessions, uh, a lot of these uh, coming up in January, and a list of some of those in-person sessions can be found on the rma.usda.gov website, uh, Oklahoma, California, South Dakota, Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, a lot of great in-person uh, places, and then as well, the virtual sessions too. Marcia, I know you mentioned a, a lot of the improvements that uh, USDA and RMA has made for a lot of these programs, and you mentioned it, it came from a lot of the feedback from producers. And uh, talk about just uh, some of that, the, some of those things that you've heard from those producers and in terms of getting some of this, uh, some of these programs updated and, and refined, so to speak. Yes, and you know, so at those in-person sessions or even the virtual one, um, in addition to the questions producers, crop insurance agents might have, um, we are continually always looking for feedback. And it isn't just at these types of roadshow events. We have 10 regional offices across the country. Um, and so that feedback has been through regional offices as well, um, coming in from the industry. I'm talking the livestock industry, agents that sell the product, um, and producers. And so Specifically to the wean calf one, this one has been in the um, in the hopper for about three years and is coming out of the 508H process where a private submitter has submitted it to the FCIC board for review and now approval. And so um, while I've had questions around, well, you know, are you going to expand it? Is it going to be in other states besides the four? You know, that is always the hope. But again, um, mm -hmm. by having it in a piloted area, we're hoping to gain a year experience and hopefully um, look at things that we need to tweak, change, um, just because we're going to see how many policies are purchased and you know see how the loss discovery went, but also how the claims went, and um, and and of course. Mm -hmm. the feedback from producers, you know, like this didn't work for me and we have this question. So um, it's, it's all just a process. It's nothing that happens overnight. Definitely. Well, a lot of, a uh, lot of good thoughts and a uh, lot of great stuff for folks to uh, check out here coming up in the uh, first part of the year. Again, uh, go to rma.usda.gov for more information. We're up against the clock, Marsha. Thanks for joining us. I know there's uh, a lot more we can talk about, but we'll have to save that for another conversation. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you, and thanks for joining us on AOA today. Thank you. Marsha Bunger, the RMA Administrator, joining us here on AOA today. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at markets with Donna Hughes from Stonex. She'll join us after the break here on AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. Today, we're talking with Lauren Bucci, a talent acquisition manager with CHS, about employment and internship opportunities in agriculture. Lauren, what career opportunities are available in agriculture and what skills are important to possess? There are really no shortage of opportunities available in the agriculture industry. And here at CHS, opportunities span across a number of different teams and divisions. We have opportunities that support operations in the field, such as working with farmers and growers, roles that support our refineries. And we have countless opportunities at our headquarters here in Invergrove Heights, Minnesota. Those include supply chain, finance, IT, and human resources, just to name a few. In terms of skills that we would look for for future employees, we certainly are looking for someone that has a passion for what it is that they do. But we're also looking for individuals that embody our values of integrity, safety, inclusion, as well as cooperative spirit. 
Now, is a farming background critical for careers in agriculture? It is not required to have a background in farming. However, many of our roles may look for previous experience in agronomy or related fields, but we have a lot of opportunities across other teams where they're not directly related to farming. I would say as someone myself who does not come from a farming background, I can say with experience that it's a very welcoming industry. What internship opportunities are available at CHS? If there's a full-time opportunity that we offer, there's probably a related internship that you could secure as well. Where can we learn more about internships and career opportunities at CHS? Our career site is going to be the best place to go. If you visit jobs.chsinc.com, you can learn everything that you want to know about both full-time and internship opportunities. Thank you for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of cooperative ownership at cooperativeownership.com. Now. We tend not to think about now. We dream about tomorrow, relive yesterday. But sometimes we don't see what's right in front of us. Victory over cancer is in front of us. Right now, cancer research is saving lives. Cancer research funded by the V Foundation is leading to new discoveries and new treatments. And ultimately, one day, victory over cancer. Right now, one out of every two men and one out of every three women will get cancer in their lifetime. Now is your moment. You may save someone you love. The V Foundation has the skill, the speed, and the strength to achieve victory over cancer. Because today's cancer research is tomorrow's victory. Learn more at V.org. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America. I know we are working to connect with Donna Hughes from Stone X, and uh, hopefully we'll get her on the line here in just a moment as uh, we're uh, looking to take a look at the market trade and it's kind of entering that uh, holiday malaise time of uh, the year here where the market's really kind of quiet down and uh, things get to get to just be very thin in the trade and it's something that uh, is is common for this time of year um it's something that it's not unexpected in the trade and so a lot of folks kind of get out of the markets and it's uh, it's just that kind of kind of year where we really just take stock of our positions, and a lot of folks kind of reassess their market plans uh, here, and that is uh, just the general theme of this time of year. It's uh, something we're going to watch closely here as we continue to um, see what's happening in these markets. I know uh, wheat, of course, has had a a rally here as of late, and uh, a lot of that on the back of the uh, China sales of SRW wheat. Um, but that's starting to fade a little bit as China stepped back out of the market buying U.S. wheat and largely corn, soybeans, wheat uh, here midweek, just a penny or two either side of unchanged. Things are pretty quiet and there. Over on the cattle side, things pretty quiet there too. We do have that cattle on feed report coming up here on Friday after the close. And I know that estimates around 102% of last year for on feed numbers. And it's a pretty uh, narrow range of estimates. So it seems like traders are pretty confident in that. So something we're going to watch here as we move forward. Well, let's take a look at a few news uh, notes here. We'll continue to try and get connected with Donna here and have a conversation about the markets. Well, a group of Midwest governors requested the Biden administration grant them the ability to sell E15 year-round, and that request hasn't been granted. Lawmakers in both congressional chambers are pushing for approval. Iowa Senators Chuck Grassley and Joni Ernst are demanding the Office of Management and Budget finalize the necessary waiver quickly. And that would allow retailers time to prepare for summer 2024 sales. The Iowa lawmakers are leading the bicameral push alongside Representative Brad Finstad from Minnesota. Now, according to the lawmakers, their letter to the administration, quote, this rulemaking should have been completed in July 2022. And unfortunately, we still have no regulatory certainty for our fuel retailers 
fuel blenders or biofuel producers more than 16 months later. Homegrown American produced ethanol strengthens our national security and ensures lower vehicle emissions to achieve the administration's climate goals, end quote. Now, lawmakers want the governor's request finalized quickly to bring much-needed certainty to farmers, retailers, and consumers. Now, we have uh, got a little more movement on that front as well. I know Growth Energy uh, coming out with a statement here uh, just yesterday as we continue to watch the latest on this E15 request. And Growth Energy CEO Emily Score uh, issued the following statement after the EPA advanced to the White House Office of Management and Budget a rule that would grant the request of several Midwestern governors and allow them to sell E15, a fuel blend made with 15% bioethanol, that can be used year-round, and the statement read, quote, This is a welcome step forward for farmers and drivers across the Midwest. We're grateful to the governors of Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, Ohio, South Dakota, and Wisconsin for pressing for uninterrupted access to low-cost, low-carbon E15, and we'll continue to call on EPA and the White House to grant year-round E15 nationwide. Biofuels like E15 are a critical part of reaching our climate goals, and we urge President Biden to swiftly approve the expanded sale of E15, end quote. Well, other news headlines here today as we uh, see that Brazil's farmers, they're running into some difficulty ahead of their upcoming corn planting season. Reuters says drought is causing farmers in the South American country to slow their fertilizer purchases. Corn is one of the most fertilizer-intensive crops, and the fertilizers slow down. And that's likely to dent sales in Brazil, the world's top corn exporter. Now, Brazil's soybean harvest is already slowed, which may push planting back for the main corn crop that follows it early next year. Brazil's farmers typically plant less corn when they miss the ideal planting window in January or February. Now, fertilizer companies are already dealing with lower profits as crop and fertilizer prices continue to sag after they peaked during the start of the Russia-Ukraine war. U.S.-based fertilizer supplier Mosaic expects Brazil's second corn crop production to fall by 12% or 12.7 million metric tons. That's higher than the Brazilian government's estimate of an 11.1 million ton drop from last year. So that ties into the markets as well. It's something that uh, we want to keep an eye on in terms of what's going on in South America. It's uh, one of the few news headlines here during the holidays. All right, uh, let's uh, keep talking about the markets a little bit, shall we, here on AOA. Joining us now, able to get connected with Donna Hughes from Stone X. Donna, it's great to have you back on the program with me. I hope you're doing well. Doing well. Thanks so much, and uh, thank you for having me on today. Well, Donna, I was uh, talking a little bit here at the beginning of the segment just about the uh, the recent rally in the wheat market. I know a lot of that has been tied to uh, the sales of SRW wheat to China. China's kind of stepped back out of this market, though, in terms of buying U.S. wheat. And, you know, I look at things here midweek. It's It feels like our markets overall are kind of entering that holiday malaise type of uh, time period. But a- any thoughts from you on just the, the tone in this wheat market that we've seen here throughout the month of December? You know, I think with, um, you know, the uh, the China purchases, I mean, that surely did, uh, you know, give some uh, lift to wheat markets. And I think, you know, traders need to see a little bit more of that going on to keep the uh, momentum going. It's kind of hard to, you know, gauge when you've got uh, volumes that are uh, basically reflecting that holiday trade kind of deal. And, um, you know, we know uh, the funds were uh, very, very short. Uh, coming into the market before all those purchases started. So a little bit of that going on as well. Um, you know, I think anytime, you know, we see, uh, you know, any problems in uh, Ukraine, um, any kind of rhetoric that's coming out of that area, of course, that, you know, tends to support as well. But, um, you know, we're, we're really looking to maybe get a repeat on those China purchases and, and see if we can, um, you know, get things going a little bit higher. But, of course, you know, if they do go that high and keep going higher, then, um, you know, uh, that could knock us out of the ballpark, um, you know, as far as pricing goes. So, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, difficult thing to be watching right now. 
Uh, I know we uh, we don't get a chance to talk about the cotton market a lot here on AOA as we're nearing the end of the year. Uh, I know you follow cotton a lot being uh, down in Texas and down in the south. What's some of the um, notes we've seen in this cotton market trade here as we near the end of the year as well, Donna? Well, you know, with cotton, I mean, you know, producers, obviously, they've been having a tough time of it here in West Texas. And um, anyway, uh, you know, uh, looking to see prices get higher uh, when you think about that. But the problem we've been having is that, um, you know, we have uh, um, we have the economic thing going on for sure. There's demand issues. Um, a, a lot of different things going on that's affecting cotton, and it seems like the ranges that we've been trading seem to drop lower, um, you know, over time. So um, perhaps after the holidays, we can get some more volume going. Um, you know, maybe we can get some more demand going. But right now, um, you know, it's, it's pretty much what's going on in outside markets that's driving cotton at this time. And over in the cattle trade, too, of course, I know we got a cattle on feed report coming up here Friday after the close. Interesting timing, of course, as uh, we won't be able to trade those numbers until uh, after Christmas. Uh, but your thoughts as we head into that cattle on feed report, looks like futures trades pretty quiet. Haven't seen a lot of cash activity this week yet. Uh, cattle have been really volatile here the last couple of months, uh, Donna. Any notes, uh, thoughts in this uh, cattle trade overall for us? Well, I think, you know, traders are going to be looking again uh, in that placement number that's been, uh, you know, on the top of traders' thoughts uh, since October, since we got that first uh, report that, you know, gave us that higher number than we were expecting. And that's what started the decline, um, you know, back then. And uh, I think, uh, you know, traders are, are really going to be looking at that number and trying to analyze, um, you know, that against their thoughts about, you know, tremendously lower numbers that we've been seeing, um, you know, on the physical side. So, um, you know, it's, it'll be reflective as to what we may be looking at, you know, going into first quarter of, of, of 2024. Well, Donna, I was, uh, Happy to get connected with you here for a few minutes. We are up against the clock of this segment, though. I do appreciate the time, and we'll look forward to getting you back on the show as we flip the calendar over to 2024. And uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you and yours, Donna. Thanks for joining us today. All right. Donna Hughes there with Stonex joining us on AOA. We do appreciate her time. Up next, we'll talk with Jackie Fatka from AgriPulse on the way here on AOA. Every day, our brave military men and women, along with their families, make tremendous sacrifices for our freedom. Patriotic Hearts, a nonprofit organization, is dedicated to supporting these heroes and their families in their times of need. By donating your unwanted car to Patriotic Hearts, you'll be supporting job transition and job fair programs, veteran entrepreneurship, counseling, and retreats for combat veterans and their spouses. Call 800-560-3870. You'll receive a tax deduction and we'll arrange a free pickup at your convenience. Imagine the difference you can make in the lives of those who have given so much for our country. Your car donation will directly impact military families, veterans, providing them with the support they desperately need. Call 800-560-3870. You can become a part of something bigger. Join us in our mission to uplift and honor our military community. Call 800-560-3870 to donate your unwanted card. Let's take a look at what's happening in the market trade this hour here on AOA. I'm Jesse Allen. Well, overall, it's pretty quiet. We're entering that holiday malaise type of uh, trading period here in grains and in livestock. Grains really haven't moved uh, through the overnight and into the morning session on Wednesday as we're trading about a penny or two either side of unchanged in corn and soybeans. Wheat a little bit lower, mainly down three to four here across all three complexes in our uh, morning trade with mixed 
mixed activity over in cattle and hogs as traders will largely probably be squaring up positions here the next couple of days ahead of the cattle on feed report that'll be out uh, Friday afternoon after the close as well as the quarterly hogs and pigs report that'll come out after the close on Friday as well. We see crude oil up a little over 1% on Wednesday morning, up just above $75 a barrel. The stock market's quiet. The Dow Jones down 80 points at last look, 37851 Take a look over at that dollar index as well. Uh, the U.S. dollar index on Wednesday morning, that is up 6 points, 101.86. So largely, these markets are just quiet. A lot of grain traders keeping an eye on South American weather, of course, and the impact uh, that the rains at the forecast could have to help out Brazil's soybean production. That's something that's going to be uh, watched closely here through the end of the year if those rains do, in fact, verify. Otherwise, not a lot of fresh news to really drive these markets here as we race towards the Christmas holiday. March corn up one and a quarter. Last check, 474. March soybeans down to 1320 and a half. Front month January beans, one and a half higher, 1314. Bean meal slightly lower. Bean oil slightly higher. March Chicago wheat down three and a half, 619 and a quarter. March KC wheat down three and a quarter, 638 and a quarter. March spring wheat down five, 723 and a quarter. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. We are the nation's largest integrated health care system, providing life-changing care to over 9 million veterans. Our hands are busy, competent, skilled, healing, helping, and friendly. A place where diverse teams come together hand in hand to provide full patient-centered care. Working in state-of-the-art facilities with influential leaders in healthcare, all with a single goal in mind, to help veterans heal, recover, and get their lives back in a place where everyone plays a part and where your efforts are truly appreciated. A place so innovative and forward-thinking that we're rebuilding hands and where even robots lend a hand. Join hands with us. Learn more at vacareers.va.gov. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Well, of course, we are nearing the end of the year. A lot of things we're watching still on Capitol Hill. We got a uh, government shutdown deadline coming up here pretty quick in January. We're trying to get appropriations done. We got to figure out a new farm bill. There's been other legislative news that has come out here uh, as we've gotten towards the Christmas recess. Here to talk about things with us and uh, what is happening on Capitol Hill. Associate Editor for AgriPulse, Jackie Fatka, is with us. Jackie, it's great to have you back on AOA. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Thanks for joining us. Same to you. Always great to be with you, Jesse. Well, let's dive in. And uh, first, let's just start with uh, an update on where this appropriations fight stands. And I say fight because it really just feels like it's a lot of back and forth between the House and Senate. And I know uh, there's been a lot of talk about this handshake deal between former Speaker um, Kevin McCarthy in the House and President Biden and uh, how the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, doesn't want to, you know, necessarily adhere to that handshake deal there's a lot of fight over that top line uh, budgetary figure it sounds like get us up to speed uh, where do things stand with this uh, situation right now on capitol hill yeah so we we knew that going into the holidays you know i, I think every this is one of the first christmases that we don't have a uh, impending uh, cr expiration uh in the in this calendar year right we don't have anything in december but january 19th is coming very quickly and that is the date that uh johnson's house speaker johnson agreed to on at least the ag appropriations there's a couple of different uh, tiered things but yes everybody is 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 upset that what was agreed to this summer between former House Speaker McCarthy and the Senate and Biden is is apparently not what they're willing to to work from as a starting point. And so, you know, we did see the National Defense Authorization. Um, we saw at least that get through, but we've we've got a lot. We've got a lot left to do and not a lot of agreement on how to do it. And so, you know, there's some Republicans now that are upset that he that he 
did this from the start where he punted it until January, and then there's another round uh, February 2nd, I believe. So you've got a January 19th for some of them, including Ag and, and Food and Drug Administration funding, and then you've got some additional ones February 2nd. So they left. They are not there. They are not working on this right now. So they're going to come back in a couple of weeks and have a, a an ongoing mess to deal with. And the question is, will they continue to kick it down the road? Um, what does that do for House Speaker Mike Johnson? Um, do they do a a longer term uh, CR or not? And I think he's got to figure out how to, it's got a hard line to mm-hmm. to try to walk, right? I mean, he's, there's no way to win. And so no. it's it's how you, how you lose the least, right? So I think that's a challenge he's got and he knew going into it, but I don't think it's improved at all. Well, I know uh, Senator Chuck Grassley from Iowa has uh, come out here this week and said there's rumors going around Capitol Hill that maybe the the January 19th date could get dovetailed in with the February 2nd deadline to give a little more time. Are you hearing some of those rumors here as folks have uh, gone home for the holidays, Jackie? Yeah, I think so. I mean, but but again, right? We we agreed to this in November. Yeah, we knew. I mean, it, it's it's a classic case of Congress knowing their deadlines and not meeting them, right? And uh, again, this was something that they laid out. They said, okay, we've got till January nineteenth. At the time, that was nearly two months. They tried working on it, but it. Part of this is they are trying to take some really drastic changes and again, going against some of that agreed upon budget limits that that were set earlier this summer to try to avoid this exact thing from happening, right? Pitting, pitting um, folks against each other to to try to, to slash funding. And I'm all for responsible government funding, but let's also be a responsible government that can do things on time. But yes, I, I imagine that January 19th date is going to get backed up because there's just not enough work done today, enough agreement done today uh, to to make this work, I don't think. Yeah, I think it's something like eight legislative days in January once they come back uh, here from the holiday recess. So uh, they're going to have to do something uh, to try and uh, meet these deadlines or or whatever the case may be. Obviously, too, we got a farm bill to try and figure out. Jackie, uh, what's the latest you've heard in terms of getting a new five-year farm bill done maybe in the first quarter? Yeah, so what, what we're hearing from folks on Capitol Hill is that they're hoping to have something uh, maybe on the House side in March. But I do think both, uh, you know, I was on Capitol Hill talking with folks last week, and uh, it sounds like for sure that they're going to move their own bills in the House and the Senate. The House has got some uh, different ways to fund things. And so they're going to, they're still waiting for CBO scores. I talked to quite a few staffers last week and they're still trying to figure out how uh, CBO is going to score some of this, Uh, right? They're looking for more money. They're looking for more money. And uh, Stabenow's put a pretty big red line that she's drawn uh, to not take money from nutrition title to pay for changes in the commodity title. Uh, the House is is not necessarily on that same page. And so, you know, we do have Republican-controlled House and a, a, a Democrat-controlled Senate. And so that, that creates a different dynamic. You're going to see two different bills. I do think we might see something in March, uh, you know, late spring maybe. But again, this all kind of hinges on the appropriations. If that continues to spill into things, there's not going to be enough floor time for the House to bring something up as they need to to debate that bill and 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 move it out of committee and then you know take it to the floor and, and have a good good debate there too. Well, we are talking with associate editor for AgriPulse, Jackie Fatka, here today on AOA. Jackie, let's uh, talk about the whole milk bill that passed the uh, House uh, last week. And I know uh, you mentioned to me before we went on the air, you were on the floor for the votes, both in the House and the Senate. Uh, This made it through the House, not in the Senate side, though. Uh, Walk us through what's exactly happening with this whole milk bill. We haven't talked about it a lot yet here on the show. Uh, What's the latest you're seeing there? Yeah, so uh, a lot of folks who have kids at schools um, may know that they are no longer allowed to offer whole milk in schools because of the the fat content and concerns that were implemented in the 2012 uh, during the Obama administration to restrict what kinds of milk were available. While the dairy industry has been trying to to get this bill across over the last several years, it's been introduced. It's finally made it across the House on a 330 to 90 vote. I mean, this is 
this is a huge bipartisan win, right? I mean, we we don't get we don't get bipartisan votes on the mm-hmm, House floor these mm-hmm. days, right? So, um, and and really, what part of this is is the focus of this is that all fats are not created equal, right? Um, and a majority of folks in their refrigerators at home have whole milk, so being able to offer whole milk allows these students. Uh, and again, a lot of the children uh, who who receive school meals, this might be some of the best nutritional meals that they get. And so this this bill allows whole milk to be whole milk and 2% varieties to be served at schools and it also does not restrict them from being counted towards those big fat totals that that limit what a, a school meal can consists of and so came across the the house floor yes i i was uh, up above the chamber watching the the final votes um and in the floor speeches on that uh, and like i said good solid bipartisan support um this has got a companion bill in the center uh, in the senate uh, senate roger senator roger marshall from kansas is one of the lead sponsors he tried to bring it up for a unanimous consent when anything passes in the house you can actually bring it up on the senate floor and if it's agreed to it doesn't actually have to have a full vote mm-hmm. it can just be a unanimous you know that you can bring it up for a unanimous consent and then it clears and then it can go to the president this uh, was brought up Thursday, so the day after it passed on the House, uh, Senator Marshall tried that, and Senate Ag Committee Chairwoman Debbie Stabenow opposed that that unanimous consent. So that's not to say that it still can't be brought up for a floor vote. It just didn't have this really easy pathway for it. But mm-hmm. some of the concerns that Stabenow brought up is that it's it's going against the nutritional dietary guidelines um, that, you know, we're still waiting to to have confirmation on some of the science and going uh, forward ahead of USDA on this would set a poor precedent uh, for other special industries, right? So this is a dairy group, but what if the, you know, another group comes in and says, well, I want to change the school guidelines for for increasing my consumption of of my product. And so that's the concern um, and in that that's where it stands. But again, a, a huge bipartisan vote in the House, um, and, and there is bipartisan support in the Senate. So we'll see where it goes from here. There is discussion that this should be part of a broader Children Nutrition Reauthorization Act, mm-hmm. which again, this one was changed in 2012. So we've not seen updates for 10 years. It's due to be reauthorized. Again, appetite on Capitol Hill to take up. This is just always problematic and, and very high hill to climb. It just, I, I get the sense that this is something that with the bipartisan support there that some this probably has a good chance of getting done it's just not going to take the easy path forward essentially that you were laying out there jackie right I think so. And and that's why I'm like, I think there's a lot of momentum. I think folks too from the dairy industry were hoping, you know, by the fact that we saw 330 uh, bipartisan members vote for this, including pediatricians. One of the lead sponsors is Kim Schreier in the House side, who is a doctor herself. And so, you know, there there is new research that is confirming this. And so I think they're, they're hoping for some momentum going forward. I don't anticipate this going in the farm bill just because of how the committee jurisdiction has it, but it could actually end up an appropriations bill. We could see a rider bill on this. I mean, it's always difficult to have a standalone bill like what we saw in the House to sure. actually go across the Senate floor, but there's still a chance. But the fact that the lead Senate Ag Democrat was opposed to it may make it more problematic to actually have it come up as a standalone. But, you know, there could be an opportunity for this to get rolled into something else. And if USDA is also working on its own changes to its nutrition standards with some changes to what's allowed for milk. You know, maybe as those kind of work through the system, um, there may be some more support for this too. So we'll just wait and see. But again, we found a a bill that got bipartisan support that relates to ag. I feel like that's a win for the end of the year. (laughs) I would agree. And uh, with that, we're out of time, but we do appreciate uh, you joining us once again. Jackie Fatka from AgriPulse. Jackie, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. We will talk to you in 2024 thanks so much sounds good thanks so much merry christmas jesse we'll be back with more aoa right after this times of transition whether from a sad event or a joyful one can leave us feeling adrift social connections are an important part of a healthy life being isolated and lonely can be harmful to your health it can lead to high blood pressure 
a greater risk of heart disease, and early-onset dementia. So it's important to build and maintain connections to people, not just in your family, but others whose relationships bring meaning to your life. Trying a new hobby, volunteering, exercising, even using your phone or other device to stay in touch with others. All these can be great ways to keep up your social connections and your physical and mental well-being. Visit connecttoeffect.org to see if you're at risk of social isolation and find ways to get connected. Presented by AARP Foundation with support from United Healthcare. Being blind doesn't always look how others may think. Stargard disease was supposed to define me. Retinitis pigmentosa aimed to overwhelm my family. It tried to cut me down. A blinding eye disease attempted to force me away from doing what I was born to do. But it cannot stop me. I have the tools. I will keep moving forward. Pushing past the limits of this disability. I know where to find support and where I can be seen. Great vision doesn't require great sight. Innovative research, educational resources, supportive community. The Foundation Fighting Blindness is leading the charge in finding treatments and cures for blinding diseases. Make your impact today. Donate now at fightingblindness.org. A public service message from the Foundation Fighting Blindness. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of The Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for The Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. Did you know that pork is the world's most consumed meat? Pork comprises over one-third of all meat consumed. Pigs were domesticated over 9,000 years ago in 7,000 BC, and there are more than 180 species of pigs. Why pork? Well, it's not just because everybody loves bacon. Historically speaking, pork is a very easy meat to preserve via smoking, curing, or salting. Not only could it keep well before refrigeration, but it also tastes great under various preservation tactics and adaptable to a variety of flavors, spices, and dishes across different cultures and regions. There are twice as many pigs as there are people in Denmark. Did you also know that China is the world's lead pork producer? In 2020, they produced an impressive 41.13 million metric tons of the meat, which equates to almost 91 billion pounds. So the next time you dive into that plate of bacon, know that pork is the world's most consumed meat. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts in farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. Join us Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Trains are everywhere. You should always expect one, even on private property. Only cross tracks at designated crossings that fit your equipment. If you don't fit, don't commit. Whatever you're operating, secure your load, raise your equipment, and avoid getting stuck or causing damage. Minimize distractions. Remember, noisy equipment drowns out the sound of a train. Unless you're crossing, always keep a safe distance from train tracks. Look, listen, live. For more info, go to oli.org. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. information America's farmers and ranchers need, AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. 
Well, coming up here at the end of the month of December, we're going to take a trip right now out to the uh, desert southwest. It is the Arizona National Livestock Show. It's going to be taking place December 27th through the 31st at the Arizona State Fairgrounds in Phoenix. It is the 76th year of the largest livestock show in the Southwest. And here to talk about this year's event and more with us today, Executive Director Tyler Grandel is with us. Tyler, thanks so much for joining us on AOA today. I hope you're doing well. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate the opportunity. So let's talk a little bit about the Arizona National Livestock Show. I mentioned celebrating 76 years coming up here at the end of the month. A uh, pretty storied history here for the largest livestock show in the Southwest. Can you talk about that a little bit to start? Sure. Yeah, we're really proud of our tradition. We got started back in 1948 as a cattle show and then slowly started evolving into other species, sheep and then and then pigs. And today we're we're predominantly the smaller stock animals, the sheep and, and goats and uh, pigs. And we do still have a fairly robust cattle show, but it's just uh, kind of equalized out over the years. We're really proud to have a representation from 40 different states across across the country. We, uh, we're predominantly a southwestern show with our biggest states being Texas, Arizona, California. But we have uh, we have participants coming all, all the way from uh, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Florida to this year's show to participate in some of the activities. Well, and uh, looking at some of the activities as well, a lot of dedication to youth uh, throughout agriculture. I know you guys have a big emphasis on youth participation during the uh, livestock show as well, don't you? We do. We do. That's that's our, our biggest portion of our show. We do still have an open uh, cattle show, but the, the vast majority of our participants are in our junior show, and they're either showing livestock or we actually have a, a large number of them that come out for our livestock judging contests, public speaking contests. There's a lot of other things that we have going on beyond the livestock show itself. Talk about some of the things that we'll see during the uh, event here this year. Uh, run through some of the, the big highlights uh, for us, if you can, uh, some of the, the key events that will happen over the four days. Sure. Well, we started off with our cattle dog trials, which we introduced about three years ago, and so we'll have... Uh, cattle dog, cattle dogs doing competition, moving cattle around, and, and um, competing for the for the title here at the Arizona National. And then we go into a ranch rodeo, and then we also have our, our junior shows. And so this year we'll have about a thousand pigs on the ground, and those are going to be both uh, market animals as well as breeding uh, breeding gilts. And so we'll we'll have those shows, and then we get into the sheep and the goats. And again, we have both market and breeding on both sides of the of that species as well. And then again, cattle, we do the same thing. We have marketing and uh, breeding cattle as well that are here. And I mentioned before, we have a speaking contest, um, livestock judging contest. We do something called a skillathon, which allows uh, kids to demonstrate their expertise in veterinary type applications of the animal husbandry. Um, new this year, we're really excited as we're, we have a mandate uh, to, uh, to provide agricultural education opportunities for the exhibitors that come here and new this year, we're, we've worked really closely with the folks at Giant Software and Ring Farming Simulator here. We're gonna have three tournaments during the show, which we're really excited about as well. So really there's, there's something for everybody at the show. Well, I know it's free for spectators to attend. Where can folks learn more information, uh, check out the schedule of events and, and much more, Tyler? Sure, the couple of different places we're on Facebook. So if you just search Arizona National, it'll pop up there. But our website is ANLS.org, Arizona National Livestock Show.org. So if you go there, we have our schedule of events and our maps and everything else that, for anyone who wants to come and watch and learn more about us. Fantastic. Well, Tyler, before we let you go, any final thoughts you would share? Uh, very exciting stuff again for the 76th year of the Arizona National Livestock Show. Anything else you would uh, mention to folks or reiterate to uh, folks listening in today? You know, I think it's just a, it's a great opportunity for, for people to come and experience a little bit of what agriculture has to offer. It's, you know, it's obviously not production agriculture, as you would see out on a farm or a ranch, but it's getting closer to it. And it's a great way for for folks to come and see what we're about and how we truly treat our our animals and care for them while they serve a purpose for us. At the Arizona National, we also pride ourselves in being very exhibitor-friendly, exhibitor-centric, and so those that come to participate here, and that includes not only the exhibitors but also the guests, 
we want it to be a positive experience for everybody and for them to have an enjoyable time. So I'd encourage everyone to come out. It's a great way to spend some time with some family and, uh, and just see what we're all about. The Arizona National Livestock Show taking place December 27th through the 31st in Phoenix. And we've been talking with Executive Director Tyler Grandel. Tyler, thanks so much for joining us and enjoy this year's show. We appreciate it. Thank you. Well, you can go online to learn more about the upcoming Arizona National Livestock Show in its 76th year running December 27th through the 31st in Phoenix. You can just go online to ANLS.org. That's ANLS.org. Uh, that's the Arizona National website, and you can learn more information there. Again, the uh, uh, Arizona National Livestock Show coming up here next week in Phoenix at the Arizona State Fairgrounds. Uh, really cool event here as we wrap up the end of the year. And, you know, as we get into 2024, we have more events on the horizon that I know a lot of farmers and ranchers are going to be attending. It'll start with the uh, Cattle Con NCBA coming up here at the end of January, first part of February. That's going to be in Orlando. That's always a great time. I know we are going to be there on location as well. Broadcasting that week, uh, we'll have the National Farm Machinery Show. That's another one coming up here around Valentine's Day. That's going to be in Louisville, Kentucky once again, and I believe we're making plans to be there too. And then, of course, Commodity Classic coming up at the end of February, uh, early part of March. That's going to be in Houston, Texas this year. And I know we're making plans to be there as well. That's going to be a great time in Houston. And I know they've moved the dates around on Commodity Classic a little bit. So that's going to be February 28th through March 2nd this year in Houston, Texas. All right, well, we are about out of time here on AOA today. Coming up on our program tomorrow, uh, we got a jam-packed lineup for you. We're going to talk markets with Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. We'll have a conversation with Monty Shaw with the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association. We're also going to dive into what's happening in the geopolitical space with John Holzman, author and geopolitical strategist and then we'll wrap the show tomorrow with an update on some of the trucking regulations that are out there with louis Pugh from oida that's all coming up here tomorrow on aoa thanks for joining us though today i'm jesse allen have a great rest of your day we'll talk to you tomorrow non-attorney paid spokesperson could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. <laughs> Just a little heads up before something bad happens. Move your coffee cup away from your computer. No, 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 no. So you can have more control. Stop. You're texting your boss by mistake. Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Warning. The cap is loose on that catch-up. Don't wait. You have the power to change the outcome. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Prediabetes Awareness Partners.